You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, we've got J.D. Rogers. J.D. is the creative director for The Porch, which is one of the largest young adult ministries in the world. Uh, They're based here in Dallas, Texas, where I am. So J.D.'s in studio with me. Uh, One of the things you're going to hear J.D. say as he introduces himself is this, is that he really feels like one of his missions in life is to teach God's Word to his generation, uh, to teach God's Word to those people that are his age, and he does a great job of that. In fact, he's just a great Bible teacher, you know, regardless of whatever generation, because technically I'm in a different generation than JD, and I got a lot out of his teaching today. So we go a little old school, kind of just Bible study is what this podcast is going to be. We open up God's Word. We look at a story from the life of David in 2 Samuel. He goes verse by verse through a few things. We make some observations, all talking under the subject of temptation and how we as men can fight temptation and actually win. I think you're going to be really encouraged. So enjoy this conversation with J.D. Rogers. Well, J.D., welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Glad to be here. Good to have you here, man. Uh, Live and in person, which is new for us. That's why I have to say that because we've done so many virtual uh, recordings. It's just fun to have somebody live and in person in the studio today. You look great. Well, thank you. So do you. You always look good. You got your signature hoodie on, Uh which you always have. What is the hat, though? Because I'm looking at it and it's like kind of Detroit Tigers, but it's not. It's a collab with the MLB and a brand called Fear of God. Oh, yes. And so it's it's just a fun collab. If my 13-year-old was listening right now, he would be like, I have to meet JD. I have to be JD now because if that's what he's got, he's so into all that stuff right now. Uh, why don't you do this? Why don't you introduce yourself real quickly to our audience? Some that are listening obviously know you from the porch, but where are you working right now? What are you doing ministry wise? Where are you from? Just some of those basic background. Yeah. So I'm a small town preacher's kid from a East Texas town outside of Longview called Union Grove. Um, and just overview of my life, went to college at SFA in East Texas. All right. And then uh, that's where I came to know Christ. Lumberjacks? Uh-huh. All right. Jacks, if anyone's listening, <laughs> for the 936. <laughs> and um, kind of gave my life to Christ there. And then after that, shortly decided I wanted to be in ministry full-time. And so also got put into Canada Cook around then. So I traveled with the president doing his events for a year with a, a ministry, like an event ministry that he did. Yep. And then went from there to Breakaway, yep. which I bet a lot of listeners know oh, about Breakaway. Right mm-hmm. That's great. Yep. Um, so I worked there underneath Timothy Atik as his creative director. And while I was there, God really started to put just a conviction in my heart to know his word more. So I started praying with TA about what maybe online seminary would look like or something like that. And then right around then is when Todd Wagner called me from Watermark in Dallas to potentially consider coming here. And right around then, as we discussed more, he told me about the Watermark Institute, which is a 10-month Bible school. So you study the Bible cover to cover. And so I was like, man, I think this is what God's called me to do. I thought I was going to go back to A&M after that. And um, while I was here, got into the world of communicating and teaching, which before that I was all kind of production, creative arts, social media. So really was something brand new and uh, started to do that at the porch and kind of just developing that communications gift. And through that, I fell in love with teaching my generation millennials his word in a really kind of a way that they could digest and it could come alive to them. And so David, Marvin, director of the porch just said, hey, would you want to stay and 
um, felt God lead me to stay. And so stayed, been working. July 1st will be three years, which is crazy. And also something recent, five months, going on five months ago, I got married hey now. Uh, to my wife, Jenna Rogers. So met her through the porch kind of world and she just finished the Watermark Institute. So just it's really all here. It's really so fun. great. So. It's funny. We have some similar stories where I moved out here to Dallas in 02 to start seminary thinking, oh, I'll just be here a few years and then I'll go back to Atlanta, which is where I was. And now I've been here 20 years. Yep. So there's something <laughs> they, about this city. It's just got keep this you vortex that yep. just sucks you in. So, well, that's good, man. Well, I, you know, and it's great that you talk about just your heart's desire to teach God's word to millennials, to your generation in a way that is digestible, which you do such a good job of all that. And that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit, give you an opportunity to do that. So something that all men, regardless of their age, struggle with uh, is temptation, right? And how we can battle that. And you've got some stuff out of Second Samuel. Is it Second Samuel or First yeah, Samuel? Yeah, Second Samuel, Samuel 11. Uh, mm-hmm. That we're going to talk about with that today. So temptation is one of those kind of churchy words, mm-hmm. right? So it can be thrown out a lot. Uh, so why don't we just start? Can you define like when you talk to young men or think about temptation in your own life? What's a good working definition of that in your mind? Yeah, I just want to say the reason why I believe in what you guys are doing at Better Man is because I think that temptation is defeated whenever you have groups like y'all are encouraging. Yeah. That it can only be acknowledged and defeated in context of community and um, in brotherhood. And so just want to first just say shout out to Better Man because that is huge. And that's where it first starts. But temptation, the way I've kind of defined it is it's the moment you mentally acknowledge the option to choose sin or to choose God. So we're met with temptation every single day. And it's that moment. And, you know, some men would maybe define it as an urge. Um, Sometimes it it comes in the form of lust or just a sexual desire or man, like I have an urge to take to to drink the extra drink or to gossip whenever someone says something and, you know, information and there's that urge or something in your flesh that kind of goes, oh, you have a choice do or don't do. It's that mental acknowledgement that I have a choice to choose sin or to choose God. It's kind of the crossroads. And James would go further to say that temptation is not sin because it's just a product of having a sin nature. Temptation is being of the flesh. You're going to face it. We all will. It's what you do with it. So when you get to the crossroads of sin or God, it's when you choose to let it give birth and to conceive with your flesh. So temptation meets fleshly desires. That's what James would say in James 1 that produces sin. And so I think that's just, if that does that make sense? No, it totally yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. And I love James' language there because uh, all of our fishermen listening, it's luring, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the language James used. It just baits us. So in the same way we lie to a fish, when you when you put a lure in the water, you're trying to incite something in that fish. So it bites and then we know there's a hook in there, which mm-hmm. you can carry that analogy where all sin has a hook as well. But I like how you, and I think this is really helpful, the, the mental acknowledgement mm-hmm. of it, because that is part of growth in the Christian life, is it not? I think about early in my walk with Jesus in college, I mean, there were some things I were doing that were clearly sin. I just didn't even have a category yet for it. There wasn't a mental acknowledgement of it. So talk a little bit about that, because I think that's uh, an important note. Yeah, I think one of the ways that the enemy, um, kind of like the author, the source of your temptation, so that we, the Bible articulates 
you can look at in Ephesians 2, I think like 1 through 4, we see that there are three sources of bondage that every person has on earth. It's uh, sin, so like your sin nature or your flesh, um, the world. So right now we are a part of a kingdom of darkness in the world and culture. You can think about all the things that you see around the world. I don't have to explain that to you. And then uh, the third would be Satan um, and the kind of the demonic force. Paul would articulate in Ephesians 6 that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against a demonic force of darkness, of evil. And so one of the greatest tools of the enemy is to convince us that he doesn't exist or that he's not active and like the day to day that he doesn't have his demons that he doesn't have um, a force against the believer and that he wants to truly destroy our lives. So he makes us really kind of numb to his existence. And so that I think that first step of just that awareness and the mental acknowledgement, the, the realizing, whoa, this isn't just happenstance that I'm driving home right now. All my roommates are gone. A sexual urge because I'm a, you know, a raging hormones like i'm a young man who's single and doesn't have an outlet all of that's coming at head and i'm going to drive home and there's going to be a laptop waiting for me that's right like we i think sometimes just so oh and next thing i know i've porn fell on my lap yeah and so it's that it's that mental acknowledgement that i'm driving home i can choose to keep driving home even though i find my friends i see no roommates are there and I can choose to keep going, to open up the laptop, all these different things, or I can mentally acknowledge I'm going to go to the coffee shop or I'm going to go to where my friends are. I'm going to do anything but go home. And that takes a very, it takes a mature development of awareness, like you said. And I think when, the reason why this is such a passion point for my temptation and how to defeat it is because I think when you look at my friend group and like I guess I was just recently single, I'm only five months into this. And I mean, I think as a single male, you know, that's why Paul says, hey, it's better that you get married if get you can. Like, he knows. He knows. Yeah. yeah. And I think that when I define my singleness and when I define my friends around me, my men around me, what I would say is we are men who take temptation seriously. I always say, when you think about who you are and who you want to be as a man, when you think about becoming a better man, in that gap of that future self will be temptation. That's right. Therefore, how you deal with it, how you acknowledge it, and how you treat it, and what you do with it determines the man you will become. Yeah, that's good. In that gap is temptation. It's not a matter of if, but when. And so what you do with it at that crossroads will determine the man you become. And so I think a lot of times men try to attack the sin like, oh, I looked at porn, I looked at porn, and me and my friends, we try to trace it back to the crossroads moment of why did you even let the thought go further alone? Why did you not let us in that why did you not let us in at the crossroads moment? Yeah. And and the way you're talking about it too, I think is so empowering in the sense that there is this crossroads and uh, you're not pushed to take the road that's going to lead to sin, right? There is a choice. You have a sense of autonomy in that. Uh, there's a sense of agency is maybe a better word there. Can you think of a moment in your life, because one's popping in mind, and I can maybe share a story if it would be helpful just to kind of jog a memory for you, but can you think about a moment that choice became real? It was like, okay, I don't have to go down this path of sin right now. I can choose to do something else right now. The Spirit can empower me to choose. I'm, I'm seeing it, and I'm choosing this, not that. Yeah, I'll use a, a recent one. Um, to st- I think there's something in me as a creative director that feels like I have to be on the cutting edge of culture. Yeah. And so one of those is trying to engage more with TikTok. TikTok is scary because it is a source of temptation because the algorithm is built to kind of like put in front of you what you linger on. Mm. So what they do is they're, they're watching, oh, he's, so videos are flying by and the one that they stopped on 
then we'll give them a, the next one will be like that and the next one and the next one. So literally it baits you, it captures your attention and then it feeds you more of what you like. Yeah. That's terrible. As a man, <laughs> that is terrifying. Okay. We had to see that. And I just deleted it because I was like, I'm wasting way too much time. And then things are getting my, my lingering. If it's a dance, if it's a way someone's dressed, like that lingering, it's feeding something and it's honestly just wasting my time. And so I remember going, the, the temptation was, well, you need it to be relevant. You need it to this. And I was like, no, I don't. And so maybe one day, I'm not saying it's bad and it's all these different things. I'm not saying that, but I just had a choice and I just pressed it down and I hit that X. And there are times that some, sometimes we'll refer to something and I'm like, should I re, should I get back? Should I, get, you know, I, I can do it in moderation this time, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no. It's just no. So that's good. And that's, you know, and I think that's really helpful because there's probably a lot of guys listening right now going, I, I feel alone sometimes in the things I'm saying no to, to try to avoid temptation. And it can make you feel weird. Like, why can't I handle this? And then you can start to shame yourself. But I just, I just think there's some wisdom in that, right? The prudent sees danger and takes refuge. The fool keeps going and suffer, suffers for it. So you saw where this was going. You understood I'm at the crossroads. This is tempting for me. Uh, so I'm going to go another direction. For me, mine was like, I, I can go back to Atlanta, remembering we were going to Braves games. This is when I was single. We were uh, working in public accounting. So hanging out with a bunch of accountants, you can imagine how fun that was. But we were we were trying to have fun and we would go to these Braves games. And I just remember it was like, a, it was a day game. It was this sunny Wednesday afternoon you know, two o'clock game or something like that. And all of my peers, like for me, uh, alcohol at that time was definitely a temptation for me. So that was something that was leading to destructive behaviors, not something that I wanted to do. And it was a way to separate myself from my peers. It led to so many conversations at that stage in my life to talk about Jesus and my faith where people were like, why aren't you drinking? And uh, so at that time, that was just felt like the Lord saying, not not for you, Adam, that, that's not for you. So we're at this game and everybody's like partying and having fun. And I'm sitting there trying to, and I'm I'm starting to believe these lies like, oh, look at them, right? They're the ones having fun today. I, I'm not going to have any fun. They don't like me, all this kind of stuff. And I just remember that moment of going, that's a lie. That's a lie. Yep. Like Just because I'm choosing to do something that they're not doing doesn't mean uh, that I'm, I can't have fun here today. And I, it was just a huge moment between me and the Lord of just going, all right, I'm going to trust him. Things are going to work out socially. It's going to be fine. These are still my friends. They don't care what I do, you know? And so just seeing that, that crossroads was so helpful and such a, a, a huge moment That's real. in my walk with Jesus. So, okay, let's go to God's word. Let's talk about second Samuel. Cause you've got five R's yeah. uh, that I think can help us when it comes to temptation. So you want to jump in uh, and let's just go through this. Yeah, for sure. And so we're going to talk about a crossroads. In David's life, um, you know, David in First Samuel, David's known for two moments: his peak of victory and then his lowest failure. And sadly, what really once you see David make this mistake, because he was one of the best leaders that Israel had, he was a man after God's own heart. And then once he makes this catastrophic mistake, really what marked his the rest of our the narrative of David is a lot of trouble. Like he was, he just never was the same. You know, God still loved him and he still there's still so much that God did through David, but it just never was the same. And I think a lot of times people identify that he slept with Bathsheba, he killed Uriah, he did all these things that you're like, man, this guy's messed up. Yeah. I like to, again, not jump and attack the sin, but to trace it back to where it began. That's good. So I think that's just, right now, when you think about this, like, let's align this, put in your blank, 
the sin that you're like, man, I just keep going back to porn or I just keep taking one too like I drink one too much. And so yeah. man, or getting I keep, angry or yes, uh, getting, yeah, any I of keep, those. yeah, put it in the blank right now. And let's just, as we look at David, let's just do it for yourself and navigate with me. And so verse one, we're going to look at just the first few verses and then I'll kind of high level the rest yeah, of the story. Yeah, that's so great. verse one, in the spring of the year, the time when Kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And so the first thing I see here that the author seems to be emphasizing, that little clause of the time when kings go out to war, I think what he's emphasizing is David is clearly not where he's meant to be, and he's clearly forgotten who he is. And so step one is to remember who you are and remember that you are in a war. David is literally tangibly in a war that he is meant to be in. He even sends out his brothers, his soldiers. And like many of us, oftentimes sin began because you forgot who you were as a saint and as a son. And the moment that you decided to be home when everyone else was out at war was where sin began. And it it just really comes down to like, man, I'm not going to be at like a normal person. I'm not going to act like my old self. I'm going to remember that now I have a new life. Like the Bible and a lot of the parts of the letters, Ephesians 4, Galatians 5, Colossians 3, Paul just hammers home, put off old self, put on Christ. Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God. Why? Because he's acknowledging that every day we have to choose to remember we are not who we were. And now we have to act as if we are saints. We are heirs. We are a royal priesthood. And so we have to act like royalty. Yeah. And so I think just, just simply put, remember who you are, that you are a son of God and that Jesus, he has so much for you out there in the moment that you say, oh, I'm just going to stay at home. Hmm. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm just going to not read today. Yeah. I'm just going to not pray today. I'm just going to not go to church this weekend, which turns into a live stream next week. But then you still can go out on Saturday. All those decisions were because you've just forgotten who you are. And so step one I see here is just remembering who you are and remembering that you are in a war. Um, That's the first thing I see where David got it wrong. The second thing, if you keep reading in verse two, it happened. Again, I love these like little details that the writer's giving us. So it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. When I hear, I sit down with a lot of young men for a living and they're coming to me saying, man, I secretly struggle with masturbation. I secretly struggle with pornography. I pretty much start to make them trace and put me in the room of when temptation presented itself. It's funny. A lot of times it started on a couch (laughs) and a lot of times, or in a room alone on a bed. And a lot of times it was in the late afternoon, right? When they got home from work, they're tired, they're hungry, they're irritated, they're frustrated from their day. And so I put on here, just recognize when you're susceptible. Because I think what we see here in this text is not only did David stay home, but now he's on the couch. And you know how people say in conflict, don't ever try to have conflict when you're bored, angry, tired, yep. you know, all those different things. I think it's the same with sin. Right. Never be alone when you are bored. First off, if you're susceptible, don't be alone. Proverbs 18.1 says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So like if you are choosing, I'm going to be alone, knowing that you are susceptible to sin when you're alone. 
I think that I tell so many men, dude, I did it again. I fell again. I don't ask, why did you look at porn or why did you masturbate? I can tell you why. Again, you have a raging sex drive and I don't know what I can say on here, but I, <laughs> I, I say, I just, I say it point blank. I'm like, my question is, why were you alone? alone. You're susceptible. Yep. You're in a vulnerable state. And so I think I just encourage a lot of men get off the couch. If it's video games that cause you to numb out, if it's um, being on your computer, watching too much Netflix, and it's like, oh, it, it usually starts with vegging out yep, for men. Yep. It's like they just get numb and they get to that state in their mind and they're scrolling and then, which leads me to my next one. And so, um, but I will say on this one really quick, First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says that we have to be sober minded because the enemy is a prowling lion mm. and we have to resist him firm in our faith and remembering that we're not alone, that there's a whole brotherhood who's doing that. And I think that we have to remember that he sees you in your room alone and he's prowling and he's waiting, like, just like a lion waits for the isolated gazelle or yeah. the sick, you know, buffalo or whatever. Like, not, not a buffalo, it's a different <laughs> region, <laughs> um, but that's the wolf. But the, the idea is like he is waiting for that susceptible moment. So look for your blind spots and recognize them and and. It starts as usually just such being great alone. language. I mean, again, just how helpful God's word is with these metaphors that we still, even now today, we understand this like couch, late afternoon, yeah. lion. Like, we get that we exactly. Get that. That's so good. Um, so then keep reading in verse three. He said, So then he's like, Well, I'm bored. And just like us, he starts exploring. Yeah. So we that for us today is like um, getting on Instagram when you deleted it because it's not been good for you or getting back on TikTok or typing in a show on Netflix that you know has sex scenes or whatever it is. He starts exploring for him. It's I'm going to go take a walk on the roof. And so in verse two, the second half, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof, a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And so he was susceptible. The enemy saw it. So he does what he does. He puts the bait out and he has this crossroads moment. And I put on here that the third R is just resist the urge, resist the urge. Anytime to temptation presents itself. So if I'm on a diet, when I'm not on the diet, I might eat the cookie. Right. When I'm on the diet, that cookie, it just, it makes my mouth water. Because I know I'm, I can't eat the cookie. Because you said no to it before you saw it, and now you really want it. Exactly. Yeah. It's and that's called flesh. Yeah. That's just that is my imperfection. <laughs> that's the and urge. so yeah. that's gonna happen with anything that you have. Just whatever you said no to, the enemy is gonna try to make it that much more of a yes. Like yeah. he's gonna put it everywhere in front of you. And so you have to have the strength to resist the urge. And this is where I think a lot of guys, I wish I would have wrote this verse down. I don't have it by heart, but just Google it or look it up. There's a verse that says that God will not give us a temptation, that he is not um, predetermined that basically we can overcome. Yeah. So it's First Corinthians 10. No First temptation sees you except what's common to man. Uh, God is faithful and there will be a way out. There yes. will be a way out. Yeah. That's, that's why you're here. This <laughs> I did my part. So Thank that, you. that verse, we have to realize that that's true. Yeah. That whenever, so when, when I hear, when I hear resist the urge, so many guys are like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. That means that you are with those words, poking holes in God's word yeah. as if it's not real. Yeah. And I think what the enemy does, and I get it, he deceives us. He's a, dece a master deceiver. He convinces us that one, it's unique to us. But like that verse says, it's, it's not uncommon.
You're not alone. So what he does is he tells you, you're alone. It's unique to you. You can't. No one gets you. You're so misunderstood. This is your problem. And then you actually believe, and I couldn't resist the urge that it was greater than me. But we know greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And then we also know in James 4, 7 through 8, it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so I always say here, the reason why a lot of guys can't control the urge is because they make Christianity about a bunch of no's. Don't drink. No to porn. No to sex. No to cussing. No to gossip. No, no, no. The Christian life is anything but a bunch of no's. It is saying yes to so much out there. So good, JD. And so any no in your life Make sure that you are replacing it with a yes, informed by God's word. And so one of those for me... Uh, Say that again. That's great. Because I think that could be so helpful for so many listening. So just repeat that. Any no that you have to place in your life, replace it with a yes from God's word. Because what that does is it helps your mental strength and that kind of like heart muscle build to see what God does want for you. Because I think the enemy, like the fruit, he's not, I always say he's not creative. However, he's crafty. He has the same play to convince you that God's not good and that he's withholding. He's just crafty in how he presents that same play. He's not creative. So what he does is with the presentation, it's convincing you God's just a bunch of no's. Yep. He's a fun sucker. He's a he's an angry dad. Yep. That doesn't make me want to resist urge if that's how my dad is. Nope, not at all. And so what you have to do is you have to flip it and go, well, what does my dad, he has the whole garden for me. He has perfection for me. Yep. I have to see the whole garden, the fruits that I can say yes to, not the one forbidden tree, the, not the one no. So much more yeses out there is the, for the Christian than the no's. So for me, my, a lot of times replacing my no is with memorizing God's word. I see that model in Finding Temptation um, in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus was tempted in his full kind of like, as man, he was tempted by Satan, not a demon. Satan. And we see in the three sources of things that Satan tempts him and dangles in front of him, it's God's word from Deuteronomy that he's constantly using to fight. So that's the yes. He's not saying, oh, you're right. I can't eat this. He's saying what he can do, That's right. what is true. And so I would just always say in those moments where it feels like you can't resist the urge, you can resist the devil and you can replace that urge with God's word or with the yes, with his people with going to a coffee shop and his word, there's so many things he's given us to say yes to that when you, when you replace that, it says he will flee. Yep. Like he literally will. And so for me and my guys, this looks really practical. When we get an urge, we would put our hands in the air and just say that line, resist the devil and he will flee, resist the <laughs> devil and he will flee. And what's funny is, is he, you just don't have much of an urge when you're walking around quoting that. No. Like it kind of goes away. Yeah. People start looking at you and you're no longer alone. Exactly. Now, now you just brought a bunch of attention to yourself. Yeah. That's just, I could go off and no, off about that's that. Excellent. That's excellent. So so here he is. So he's he sees her. He got off the couch. He was wandering around. He was bored. I love this. And now for these last two R's, uh, we, we kind of know where this story goes, yeah. right? So he calls for her. And this is this is his famous incident. And so yeah. what what else are you seeing in here for these last two yeah, hours? Yeah, just really quickly. So he asked the guy, he says he goes and inquires about her. So he didn't resist the urge. That's right. Um he that's that's the that's like the equivalent to like when you're scrolling on Instagram and you see on your explore page something and you had the choice to click on the username and to continue to scroll. Yeah. 
that's his scrolling of the day. That's right. Yeah. Go inquire about her. That's his creeping on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes and inquires and his, his homie, his, his guy is being a good friend. He literally says, um, because my R is run to community. Okay. Yeah. But listen to them. That's where we don't see it modeled <laughs> in David's life. So this guy says, Hey, uh, King David, you know, he's probably a little nervous. Yeah. Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, like the guy's trying to help him out. Yeah, like there's he's two like, dudes in her life right now. Yeah. And she's got a dad and a husband. Everyone but yours. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then it says, go and get her. And so in that moment, what would have happened if he had listened to his community? And so, so many of us, I think we run to community with them wanting to give us the answer we want and not the answer we need. And so just listen, just con- like confess to the thought level. Just run to your community and then give them the keys because knowing and trusting they want better for you than your flesh wants for yourself and the enemy wants for you. And then last thing, I just put respond accordingly. So had he listened to community or, you know, after he falls to this sin, I will say um, Psalm 51, go read it on your own time. It's a beautiful prayer where he does respond. First, he runs to the gospel after his sin. So if you fall to temptation, if you do commit the sin, if you go down the wrong road, there's grace and there's freedom. And that's the beauty of the character of God is that he doesn't want your burnt offering. He wants you. And so first respond according to that. If you do fall, let it be continue to fall at his feet and at the cross and receiving the grace and love that David received. But then also, you know, I think about the woman caught in adultery. He, he leaves, everyone leaves and he says, hey, who condemns you? And she says, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I. But then he says, we like to keep it there. Yeah. No condemnation. But then yeah. he says, now go on and sin no more. And so what is the sin no more for you? What, what rearranging, what further implications, what intensity do you need to put around you and your community? What guardrails do you need to do? Because your sin every day is coming for you if you don't come for it. And so you got to wake up and be proactive, not reactive. And so what will you do? And just for me, just to encourage you guys, it's not to say a pat on my back. We have gone through some leagues, me, me and my guys. We, I've had guys sleep in my bed with me in college and after college, just like saying, I cannot sleep in a room alone. That's right. So I'm, I'm moving in. They'll bring like an air mattress and live in my room. Yeah. Cold showers were normative in my guy's house in college and after that texting updates on the hour. I mean, you got to kind of see like how far has sin taken me? And fight it to even a greater degree that it's fighting you. And so just navigating that. And then last thing, we've been doing these things called napkin contracts. They're kind of like our modern day covenants. And this is not mandated in God's word. This is just something that's helped us. This is your ism here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We will get at a coffee shop and basically just like confess and remind each other the gospel and then go, hey, for seven days or whatever it is to the person for one day for, um, it's kind of like a John Elmore's book, um, a freedom starts today. You know, it's like for one day, can you commit to seven days? Can you, whatever it is for the friend. And then we just both sign it. And it's just this like, and I'll take the napkin from the coffee shop and just keep it as a reminder. That's good. And so that's just respond accordingly. I love that. Yeah. So this remember, recognize, resist, run and respond. And, you know, and let's just like back full circle now, what temptation is when you're at this crossroads, you mentally acknowledge I've got a choice here. Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I'm, I'm staring down that choice, the, the idea of resisting sin feels like I'm being ripped off, right? That's, you mentioned Todd Wagner, and one of his things that he taught me, 
uh, for years that has just stuck with me that God is not trying to rip you off. He's trying to set you free, right? Like we've heard him say it so much. And that's what's so amazing to think about at that crossroads is the ripoff is really is going the path of sin. Right? And all the scripture that you've quoted about it being a lion, James, that that hook is going to go in our mouth. It's there for all that sin. That's the ripoff. The being set free is following God's plan. And repl- I love that idea about replacing the no with the yes. It's not that I can't do this stuff. It's I get to do these other things. Yep. And there's something very empowering about yeah. that. So, And culture today tells men... If you do these things, that's how you feel like a man. That's yeah. how you feel free. You're free. Yeah. But those same men, you got to think about it, the most anxious, the most depressed, yep. the most suicidal. If that's true, why you're so bound? Yep. And so, you know, no longer a slave to sin, we're a slave to righteousness. That's it. So, Brother, you're a good Bible teacher. That was awesome. Uh, this was really, really good. I know good stuff. Uh, there's a lot here for our listeners. So thanks for jumping in on the Better Man podcast with us today. Yeah, thank you. JD, that was awesome. So remember who we are. Remember that we are in a war. Recognize uh, when we are susceptible, resisting the urge, running to community, and then in parentheses, I love that, and listen. That's where we don't need to be like David and just hear what somebody says. We need to actually listen to them and then respond accordingly. I love that, JD, how you pointed to Psalm 51 because, yeah, that happens, right? Sometimes we're going to give in to that temptation and we need to respond like David. We don't need to run and to hide and to be ashamed. We can continue to press into God, even in those moments when we give in. So way to go. What uh, JD and I didn't get a chance to talk about is here in a few weeks, he's actually going to start going through the Better Man 11-week experience with a bunch of leaders at the porch. So uh, when we were done recording, we were talking about how we're going to have to bring him back on so he can talk about that experience. But if that's something that would be of interest to you, if you were hearing him talk about running to community and listening to community, and that is something that you feel like is missing in your life, uh, the Better Man experience could be great for you to help you just on this journey uh, of walking with God and being God's man in the time and place where he has you with other people. So go to betterman.com right there. You can learn about all the different ways that you can bring better man to your church or to your community. So JD, we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for your time. This episode of the better man podcast, like every episode was mixed and edited by the team over there at sound of a rose. You can learn more about them at sound of That's all we've got for today. We'll talk to you again next time.